How are you guys? Big Joe and Carl Carafel here back on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are. Of course, How's it power, going, everyone? Of course, powered by thegorillaposition.com and proud part of the Roar Network. So oh, yeah. another week has come and gone here, Carl. Well, it's been a couple weeks because uh, a little bit of a change happening with us here at Turnbuckle Talk. There is, for those of you that don't know, uh, Big Joe has relocated to a different area of the province. He got a good job opportunity and decided that he was going to take it and has gone there. So now we will be doing the podcast, still bringing it to you in the same great way on the same great platforms that we have all the time, just in a bit of a different format as we will be doing it over either Facebook or Skype or somehow, but we'll always bring it to you. Yeah, for sure. But this week, as uh, kind of our comeback episode here, Carl, we are not alone this time. We have welcome back editor-in-chief of thegorillaposition.com and co-host of Going Home with Ryan and Mike, Mr. Ryan K. Bowman. Hey, guys. It's welcome. good to be with you again. It's, it's, it's kind of a different format, a different setup for you guys. I was just commenting to you earlier about that. It's mm-hmm. got to feel kind of strange now being in two different parts of, of the province, but uh, still sounding good. Absolutely. Awesome. And what have you been up to? Uh, before we get into you know the bulk of the topics, because I mean we got a plethora of uh, stuff going on here. What has been going with you lately with the grill position? I'm uh, just continuing to try to put out different features and columns. Uh, we've added a couple of, of new writers. Actually, we have another writer that's supposed to be starting with us soon. Uh, just kind of trying to expand things. We really just want to finish out 2018 as strong as possible. This is our first full calendar year, mm-hmm. and roll into 2019 doing some more stuff with video and. Uh, uh, maybe just adding some some extra voices. And I, I, what I like about it, our our whole setup right now is it's been a potpourri of a little bit of everything. That includes you guys. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's we have something out there for uh, I think you know when it comes to listening to pro wrestling podcasts. You know, we have you know a lot of different uh, approaches and uh, you know multiple different. Uh, personalities and everything it, it, it's uh, cool to see all kind of come together over a relatively short period of time and you know it's turning into something really special yeah april will be two years for us with the grill and of course you know i started that the, the entire idea of the roar network started with basically uh the hitting the marks podcast and you guys mm-hmm. you know getting to know th- those two shows and i thought you know we're not doing podcasts ourselves at the time let's bring on some talented people and insource some of this this great content, you know. So, and it, it's again, what yeah, it's part of uh, the language of pro wrestling now. The the word today is cooperation, yeah, and it's nice true. to see that on the internet level as well as on the pro wrestling level in promotions. Yeah, absolutely. And as we've gone through and always mentioned before to you guys, make sure you go and check out thegorillaposition.com. Amazing articles written there. No BS. No dirt sheet, nothing like that, as well as they now have a link where you can click for the Roar Network itself. Along with that, you will have a podcast that you can essentially listen to every day of the week, available at the Roar Network on GorillaPosition.com now. Absolutely. Yeah, with the J&K podcast, one of our, as I like to call you guys, one of our heavy hitters. <laughs> yeah. Or every Tuesday. Yeah, every Tuesday. Absolutely. All right. So speaking of me coming back uh, down here to Southern Ontario, actually last night, the day before we're sitting down here to record this, I got to check out some local wrestling in the form of Magnificent Championship Wrestling, otherwise known as MCW here. So MCW has been a promotion that's been around for a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. They do five to six shows a year. They always try to bring in some great talent. I'll let Big Joe kind of go into who was there and the names that were there, but always a little bit of good star power, Uh, not necessarily always like a legend within the business, but somebody who is actually still going through and actively wrestling today. So Big Joe, take it away and let us know who was there. Well, I have it narrowed down to the, the three most notable. Thankfully, through the connection with you, Ryan, and the grillposition.com, Alicia Tout. I hope I'm saying her name right. She is, uh, of course, the interview queen who does some work with Impact Wrestling and a number of other promotions. Got to meet her in person. We got, of course, to meet Mr. Cole Cabana, a very, very unique person in the professional wrestling business. And... A really, really cool surprise, at least uh, for me, it was uh, an open challenge. And Mr. Cody Diener also showed up and really uh, made quite the impact there, so to speak. 
I'm just going to mention one other name. For those that are in uh, Canada, at least you will know the name Rip Impact. Mm -hmm. He was there. He was part of, I do believe, and Big Joe can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that he was part of the main event Rip Impact versus Colt Cabana in the main event. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really interesting match. Uh, Colt really goes for that in-ring kind of comedic kind of working. It was really entertaining. You know, he has a very unique style and, and it always, whenever I watch anything that's been done by him, it's, it's always, it's never really the same. He always kind of throws some different kind of stuff in there. You know, even, um, coming into the ring, he took his kind of ring, his outer kind of ring shirt off and carefully started to like fold it like over an extremely long period of time. And then before he could finish up, just threw it out of the ring, like, uh, like it didn't really matter. Right. So he does a lot of that kind of, uh, you know, comedic stuff and it just it makes it entertaining to say the least colt's a very unique personality i think i think one of the things i i, I guess i never caught on to him as a wrestler per se mm -hmm. but as a personality and a character and especially as a broadcaster i think he's a fantastic color commentator i think the work that he's done with ian riccaboni yeah. at, with at ring of honor pay-per-views is just fantastic i i can't get enough of those two as a, as a combo i think they're great absolutely so yeah, and you mentioned Alicia. I've yeah. said this since the first time I met her. That girl's a star. I don't know if she's going to be a star right. in wrestling or a TV show or a talk show, but she's just got it. She's got that thing. She's smart. She's beautiful, and she's driven. She's done more interviews probably at the age of what 23 now than right. I've done in my life. She's constantly working. So people like that, you can just see, are going to have a tremendous upside, a great future. Yeah, absolutely. She's got to definitely be on WWE's radar when it comes to, you know, the TV uh, personality aspect of it. Uh, when it comes to the in-ring stuff, you know, time can, uh, you know, you never know. But uh, I think, you know, like you said, Ryan, she definitely has a future when it comes to being a personality in the business. Right, broadcaster. Right? I think she's got everything Renee Young has. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a, a big compliment because I really have a lot of respect for Renee. I think Renee is somebody that could step into ESPN Sports Center or uh, do 60 minute profiles, uh, 60 minutes profiles if she wanted to. Mm -hmm. I, I think that uh, you see people that are talented in the wrestling business and you see people that are broadcasters who understand the wrestling business. Mm -hmm. I think Renee and Alicia are both broadcasters who also have a grasp of wrestling. And that's, that's what the business needs. You have to have somebody in that chair that is competent as a broadcaster. Yep. Now, speaking of broadcasting in WWE, the recent product has been a little while since we've talked to you, Ryan. Now, when it comes to, I think, Raw specifically, as of late, not digging it really myself. I, I think the last time I actually sat down and watched an entire episode of Raw has been at least two to three months ago. I think the whole first hour of Raw was very, it was pretty much the Baron Corbin show, and it mm -hmm. has been a lot lately. I, I, I was a fan of this guy as a performer in the ring. I thought, as a big man, he moved well. He could yep. turn into something. But as a character, I just don't buy it. I, I don't understand what they're doing, why he was thrust into that role. And I think it's hurt Raw. Him in that in that primary spot as the antagonist on Raw, I think it's hurt the product. I just don't think people buy him as a character. Not only do I think that it's hurt the product, but I think it's really hurt him as well. Like you said, he was a he's a great performer. He's got He's got the look, he's got the size, he's got the talent to be able to work in the ring. Mm -hmm. He's not working right now for whatever reason, whether he's injured, whether he's recovering, whatever is happening. But this role that they kind of put him into just to keep him on TV, I think has really diminished him as a character itself. Yeah, yeah. Why him? I mean, why not Mojo Raleigh or why not, you know, any, uh, uh, Ty Dillinger or somebody else that wasn't getting a lot of work on TV? My only explanation is that they've given this guy a big contract when he signed. I know he's a former football player. Maybe he got a really nice deal to come into the company, and they feel like they need to get some bang for their buck. If he can't work, let's put him on TV and give him something else to do. Well, that's one thing I think to kind of, you know, when it comes to Baron Corbin, if you guys kind of remember, going back to NXT and when Breaking Ground, when that uh, kind of reality show was kind of going on, and they did touch a little bit on Baron Corbin. And, you know, even in NXT, he very much – came across as the, the entitled type, like he's, you know, just because he's, you know, he thinks that he's bigger than I think than he really is. And he just, he, he feels that, you know, this stuff should just be kind of handed to me. I mean, you know, you got, you, you gotta, you gotta earn your stripes. I used to say that about CM Punk and all that, that complaining and whining worked for him for a while. I mean, for honestly, while. that 
I've said that forever. I, I, I've been backstage at shows with that guy when he was young, and I even then he always thought he was better than I, I ever thought he was. Yeah. But it worked. It got him to his spot. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, if you whine enough, you'll get the WWE title someday. Yeah. That yep. seems to be the way it's going. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to, you know, with him, and like you had mentioned, right, it's not really a, I, I could see if you know there, if there were a lack of options, you know, to put in that role. But there's other people that that could have filled that spot. To, to me, it's just it's why did they pick him? Like he just didn't, didn't really stand out to me as the type where I go, okay, no, he's suited to that role. And sadly, in WWE right now, and and or maybe it's a good thing considering all the hell they went through for you know two decades. It's the women's show now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the women rule WWE now, and Raw has Ronda Rousey. And SmackDown has Charlotte and Becky. Which mm-hmm. show would you rather watch? Which pair would you rather? Which which two girls would you rather watch? Would you rather watch Ronda take on you know Nia Jax, or would you rather watch the two, <laughs> arguably the two hottest names in wrestling right now? And at least in Becky's case, who just you know got ranked number one in the power rankings in WWE, that's never happened in history yep. before. You, right now, SmackDown is poised to become the number one show, especially as they're transitioning to go to Fox, and and it's because the female product on their show is carrying basically the company right now. Yeah. Very good. hundred percent. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, creatively the them. Exactly. That's exactly it. Creatively. The two of them have been given whatever they need and, and essentially told to go out there, do your thing, show these people what we can do. And I think you, you kind of hit on it there before they moved, make their move to Fox. And I think that they're trying to use these two as a way to show Fox we can do what you're asking us to do without, and it's it's going to sound really kind of negative and bad, but I think that they're doing it to not damage and hurt any of their top male talent by working them to the bone, but showing Fox, listen, we can give you a product that you're looking for, and they're using Becky and Charlotte for that, which I think is an amazing thing for them to do. Don't get me wrong; it really is because the two of them can work. Yeah. So, I think that's that's part of it. We touched on that on our show. That was the topic of our show uh, Saturday on going home. Was you know, Mike and I said this is the clearly 2018. We've said it before. Every year, there's some big story that comes out, and this year in 2018, it's been Cody and women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. That's been the the elite and what they're doing and the all in pay per view and women's wrestling. I mean. There are so many things outside of what you would think are the norm in pro wrestling right now. Yeah. Women are the hottest thing going, and indie wrestling is actually, in some forms and in some capacities, more beloved than the WWE. I mm-hmm. mean, WWE has become the evil empire now. It really has. And, and yeah. it's, it's turned the audience off. It's turned off everything. The only people that you feel any emotion for are the women because you can at least – feel empathetic for what they had to go through to get here. So I, I think it's very easy for the audience to get behind the girls in WWE as, as almost kind of an in-your-face thing to the company. And going along with that and going along with what you guys, because you call you guys called yourself the, the, uh, the called the episode the women, the ladies episode with going home this week. Going along with that, I'm going to ask a question, you guys. And it's a question I've asked specifically to Carl in this podcast before. Is this the WrestleMania where the women headline or main event WrestleMania. Is this the year? Carl, what do you, I, I think so. I think in some form, they're going to have Ronda in that main event. I really believe that. Again, I don't, I, I've said it before. I don't think that they're going to be the top main event. I think that the women are going to be co-main event still. Unfortunately, I think that it's just going to be co-main event for the women this year, which even that is a huge, huge step, and I'm happy with that too. Mm-hmm. I'd be good either way. I mean, I, I have no problem with the ladies' headline. If, they're the, if they are the top draw, if they're what you consider your money match, and honestly, Becky versus Ronda, if they build this right, could be the biggest match in women's wrestling history. Mm-hmm. That warrants the main event at WrestleMania, in my mind. For sure. Yeah, I think so too. I just don't think the WWE is going to see it that way. Mm-hmm. Now, going back on what uh, we were talking about with Raw kind of tanking in the ratings recently. Now, it's it's had me kind of thinking of a, of a larger issue with that kind of happening. Because, I mean, Monday Night Raw, WWE, it should be the top show, top weekly show. It should be something that you know virtually every wrestling fan should be you know at least paying attention to. 
could it possibly be that there is just too much wrestling content out there day to day, week to week, and it's just become so oversaturated that people just aren't digging it anymore? I can tell you as somebody that runs a website, yes, there's way too much wrestling content out there because it's hard to keep up with everything every day, you know, and I, I admit we, we're lacking sometimes in how much we cover New Japan mm-hmm. because the matches happen, you know, in the middle of the night and I'll get up, oh my God, that happened last night. There, As a wrestling fan, you find yourself burned out from the scheduling. Yeah. You know, you can't really schedule your life. used to be able, I can clear out Monday nights. And I'm going to flip back and forth between two shows. And then I might catch a little wrestling later. Might watch ECW on Friday night. Whatever. You know, but now with the internet, with streaming, and with, I mean, literally Fight TV has almost every major indie promotion on it. You can watch the storylines and follow wrestlers from company to company and from continent to continent. I mean, it's, yeah, it's very easily, it's very easy to become burned out as a wrestling fan. What's your take on that right now, Carl? I am in agreement, but I don't your your question was more directed towards do you think that this is the reason why Raw is getting such bad ratings? Yeah. I don't necessarily think that that's the reason why because you look at the ratings of Impact, you look at the ratings of New Japan, you look at the ratings of Ring of Honor, you look at the ratings of when something happens with the NWA. Mm-hmm. All of these are getting good ratings and people are really enjoying what they're seeing. I don't believe that they're enjoying what they're seeing on a weekly basis when it comes to what's happening with Raw because mm-hmm. it's a rehash and a rehash and a rehash and a rehash and people are just tired of seeing it. So they're more gravitating towards these other programs, which are able to give them what they're looking for. So essentially, I, I throw this. I don't mean to catch you up. I throw this term out all the time, and I think Carl just hit on it. Yep. Dan Bynum, who's a producer for MLW, uses the term, and I credit him all the time for it: the democratization hmm. of pro wrestling. He says it's begun now, and it's only going to spread out even further. And I believe he's right. And I think what Carl hit on is so much that, yes. It, Partly because there is so much product out there, it's easy to get burned out, but it's also easier to know that you have options. You don't have to be glued to your set on Monday nights to get good wrestling. You know, more or less, it's kind of something that's seemingly affecting, you know, we're definitely seeing, I think, a little bit with uh, SmackDown, but with Raw, I think really seems to be suffering you know, because of, you know, with Emma W, with Impact, with Ring of Honor, with New Japan, there's so many of these really, really good alternatives that that main show that we used to always watch, Raw, is the one who's kind of left out to dry. Yeah, it's it's odd to think that, uh, you know, people can say, eh, it's Monday, but I already got my wrestling fix this week. <laughs> I'll just pass. Yeah. I, I never thought, again, the, the changing landscape of wrestling. We talked about the prevalence of indie wrestling over the last few years women's wrestling now taking center stage and raw and SmackDown becoming less important to the average, or I shouldn't say to the average wrestling fan, less important to the diehard wrestling crowd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some more stuff with raw here, specifically dealing with former shield members is a topic I want to get into because I think it's pretty well documented. I I think we've kind of stated, I know you've kind of stated it that, uh, you know, this reforming of the shield again, that it, it, seemed to be kind of a bad idea to kind of do this again. Now, recently, uh, I don't remember exactly what episode of Monday Night Raw, because like I said, you know, I haven't been fully watching Raw in quite a long time, but there was a, a bit with Ambrose, because he has turned heel now, referring to the Roman Reigns cancer and you basically using it in very much a, in a heel pro and basically saying that, you know, Roman has to answer to, you know, a higher pyre now because, you know, he's getting what he deserves. Now, is this an example of just something done in bad taste or is this just good old fashioned heel heat? Well, it's heel heat, but in this era, I mean, you go back to Fritz von Erich having a quote heart attack in mm-hmm. Dallas, you know, 30 years ago. And I guess it was on Christmas day or, Something like that. They, they, you know, took him out in an ambulance and everything else, and there was there was no heart attack. Yeah. You know, it was used as a storyline. That's really pulling on people's real-life emotions, which is what wrestling's about. At the same time, in today's era, people know. They know that you're going out there, you're carting a guy out there. It looks phony. It looks obvious. And on top of it, when you look phony, at least do something that's not in bad taste. You know, if you're going to make a fool of yourself, <laughs> do it the right way, for lack of a better term. I, I just felt like there was no need for it. There's no reason for it. 
even if Roman is going to make a comeback in six months or a year or whatever, what if this guy dies? You want that <laughs> as part of your program now? What yeah. if he, he drops dead? You know, tomorrow, I mean, leukemia, we're not talking about chicken pox here. No. I mean, so I really wouldn't have made it part of the show. No. And my, my call, if I'm the editor-in-chief of the script writers or whatever you want to say, they hand that to me, and I would just shake my head. i just hand it back to them and shake my head. I wouldn't even say anything. Yeah. You gotta know you can't do that. What do you think, Carl? I, I think I think Ryan hit it right there. I mean, back in the day, that's something that 100% would have been okay. Heal heat, that's cool. But in today's day and age, everybody is aware of pretty much everything mm-hmm. when it comes to what's happening in professional wrestling. Right? You you can tell and you know when something is real and when something is happening. And it's not like like Ryan had mentioned, right? Like, oh, he was carted off because of a heart attack, but there really was no heart attack. We know that this is something that's real. So, I th- poor taste, I think, as well. Maybe had they gone about it a little bit of a different way, without maybe mentioning Roman Reigns and leukemia and answering to a higher power and stuff like that, if they maybe had just brushed over something like that, it might have been different for me. Yeah. But... To to come like just right out and say, dude's got to answer for what he did to somebody else now. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. That's just, yeah, I mean, what, what's I, gonna I happen cool if, with it? What's gonna happen if he does actually pass away? Are they gonna do the big show thing and have Seth riding on the back of his casket while Dean's pulling it away? I mean, literally, like this isn't a storyline, man. Yeah. You know, and especially this day and age, too, another thing that we got to consider, too, with the WWE being so active on social media and with a lot of people, you know, yeah, we see it in real life, too, but on social media, you know, with the uh, social justice warrior out there that really likes to pick up on this kind of thing of, you know, just people are just overly sensitive and this kind of thing to just get those people going. I mean, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, with the issue with Raw, with the ratings kind of being what they are. I think you need to tread a little bit more carefully with some of the storylines that you pick. So, you know, for something like, for me, like, just picture yourself in the shoes of a new viewer. You know, say this was your first episode of Monday Night Raw that, that you've seen, you know, and you're a relatively young person, you're really into the social media and all that kind of stuff, and you're overly sensitive, and you see this happening? Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, sure. they always talk about being <laughs> sensitive to stockholders. What if one of your major stockholders has a kid that has leukemia? Mm-hmm. You know, or something like that. I, I mean, at this point, I really feel like WWE the Saudi Arabian prince just oh, calls God. up and says, Hey, work in a leukemia joke. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, that's all it is. At, at this point, everything's a money grab. You know, I'm sure if they told him or somebody, a major investor said, Hey, could you work in some really bad humor? Sure. You got an extra million for us. I mean, that that's the way the audience views them. Now yeah. we view them as we expect the worst from them in, in terms of, you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to make a profit. And, and I, I, Again, it just why? Why would you do that? Why would you make yeah. that that use that line? Yeah, that that thinking back on that on Crown Jewel, I'm just glad that the way the timing th- with things happened, you know, we didn't have to talk about that event because that's I'm so glad that we were able to just gloss over that and not even really mention. We mentioned it by name, but we did not get into any details because I really I didn't want to. But it goes along the lines of the bad PR. Like yeah. they just don't. It's like they don't have a mirror. They can't see themselves, mm-hmm. you know, from the outside in. Like they do some good things. They do some really positive things. Stephanie McMahon, for as much as people don't like her on television, yeah. is a humanitarian. Yeah, she's she's a great person, you know. But they shoot themselves in the foot with the mm-hmm. distasteful things they continue to do and their distasteful way they make money. Yep. Now. Speaking of WWE shooting themselves in the foot, we're going to take a brief break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax at TLC and what could possibly happen there. So we're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back, guys. Tired of mainstream media lies and deception? Need a hard dose of reality? Put on your sunglasses, swallow that red pill, and tune into London Rising, your epic mix of music, news, and freedom. Tune in weekly with me, your host, Gunstar Hero out of London, Ontario, Canada, as I mix up breaking news, hard-hitting commentary, trigger warnings galore, and eclectic epic slate of unforgettable music tracks including metal, punk, classic rock, country, and even some hip-hop in for good measure. Only on the Podbean Network. 
And now Big Joe and Carl Caravel test out the new sound recording setup. Wonder where that goes. <laughs> Avoid leak pants. I telling people they're being recorded. <laughs> right? See, I told you. Right? You phone somebody in at the end and go, hey, surprise asshole, I've been recording it this whole time. <laughs> I don't know how they could be surprised, though, because it, I see it right there. It says, tells me more PS4 is recording the call. Exactly, right? So if you get surprised by that, shame on you, right? All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel and Ryan Bowman back here on Termical Talk. Yes, we are. All right, guys, as I mentioned before the break, Ronda versus Nia Jax is coming up soon at TLC here. Now, I want to kind of talk about this, basically how I have it kind of lined up on uh, the document here as Ronda versus Nia Jax at TLC, greatness or debacle? Now... I'm going to start off with you, Carl. What do you think is going to happen with this match? So everybody's not going to be able to see this, but uh, the three of us are all kind of in a video chat here, Mm -hmm. and hopefully this comes through properly on uh, the audio end (laughs) of things. But (laughs) yeah, Um, yeah, I just... Honestly, I think this is just going to be a huge debacle, and it's not—it's not, not going to come across as the writers are really hoping that it's going to. I think. What about you, Ryan? I think the match itself—I think the match itself will be all right. I mean, it'll be fine, but it's not—it's not anything that intrigues anyone. Again, they positioned Ronda sort of like they did Brock, you know, where you just don't expect her to lose. Now mm-hmm. she's the the cash cow. It goes back to that same thing we talked about. How we have to make our money. Well, we have a mainstream name, and you know they live for mainstream exposure, yeah. who's now a champion in our company. I, I honestly, if it were me, I'd just have Ronda go over quick and clean, fast, and get out of there and just establish her dominance because that's Naya's not someone that's a serious uh, championship. Uh, they gave her a championship run, and it was flat. Uh, she's just not, she's not a top level performer. I, I, love, I love her. I think she's got a great look, I think she's got tremendous power and size. But she's just not that upper echelon women's wrestler like Ronda or Charlotte or Becky are. Yeah. Now, you know, when it comes to to that, you know, my issue kind of stems, you know, specifically with Nia Jax here because Ronda is a much smaller person. And to have somebody, you know, with Nia Jax the size that she is, not not poking fun her for, for that at all, just when you have her lose, like, especially if they're going to have it be, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a squash match, but if it's, if it's a fairly quick victory, how then do you continue on with her, you know, portraying her as, you know, this, this big kind of unstoppable woman when you get beat, you know, they've done it before with Alexa Bliss, you know, it just, it totally compromises that character and that whole approach that they go with her. I think it's time for a women's tag team division. I think, I think Naya with Tamina, uh, Becky and, and Sasha, I'm sorry, Bailey and Sasha, and, and, you know, kind of pair up some of these girls. Obviously, there's a demand for women's wrestling now, and you've got a lot of women on the roster. You've got a ton of talent in NXT. Shayna's going to be up soon. You know, mm-hmm. I, you've got it. You're going to have this horse women versus horse women feud eventually. Yeah. You're, there's no reason not to have women's tag belts. Yeah. yeah. You could get rid of the Raw men's tag team titles and just turn yeah. them into women's titles. I yeah, mean, that could, would be. Because those have division. essentially become almost kind of meaningless. It's so the male tag team division is in serious, serious trouble in WWE, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. You know, when it comes to, to Nia Jax, because I've been kind of thinking about uh, this just well, and to me, it's almost similar to, you know, going back to with Rusev. I, I feel that Rusev was really, really great until he started talking. But then I thought that totally compromised his character. I think that that's what they should have done more with Nia Jax is keep that microphone away from her and just let her be this woman that just comes out to destroy and then that's it. And you keep her talking to a minimum. Yeah, she's that again. She's a beautiful woman. She's yeah. she's been a model in the past. She's she's actually I think put on size in WWE because mm-hmm. they wanted her to. So mm-hmm. as far as anybody that talks about you know her weight or whatever, she could lose weight. Oh, yeah. She's still she's still a pretty woman. She's photogenic. She looks great on TV. And I like the idea of a monster female wrestler. I mean, we've got them in the men's division. Why not the women's division? Yep. Somebody that just can overpower anybody. At the same time, I don't think she can carry a match in the ring on her own anymore. I, I, I when she first came up, I had a lot of hopes for her. 
But as a performer in the ring, I, I think she needs somebody there to help her out. And you can't be an individual single star like that. Yeah. You know, when it comes to the women's division specifically, you know, when it comes to, you know, selling that move that you're taking from somebody else, I don't think I've seen anybody worse at it than her. To be perfectly honest with you, it's, it's terrible, <laughs> right? You know, and, and I'm all for giving anybody a chance, but it just, it feels like on that aspect of it, she's just, she's lagging behind it. I don't know if it's just a lack of effort, if it's something on WWE side where they're not kind of getting her to do more of this, you know, it, it's always kind of puzzled me a little bit with her. And, and I think, like I said, I think it all kind of stems from that they should have concentrated on making her a really strong in-ring presence, but keep that microphone away from her. Just let her be that silent, deadly big woman coming in to kick ass. I think I think that the pairing with Tamina, it's a natural fit. Yeah. I mean, they're they're family. Uh, they uh, you know they both have that same power gimmick and all that stuff. But you know, <laughs> one thing when I mentioned Tamina, and I got to throw this to you guys, is it just me or does she just look bored every time she no emotion whatsoever, just vacant? Like yeah. I don't even want to be here. And I'm watching the show and going, that's okay because I don't want to watch. Yep. So I'm as bored as she is. But yeah, when she's out there, no facial expressions. No emotions whatsoever. And Nia's the total opposite. She mugs for the camera way too much. So if we can come up with some creative tag team name for one person who's an absolute ham and the other person who looks like they have no emotion whatsoever <laughs> and is stone-faced, yeah. we can do it. The ham and muggers. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting that you bring that up. There we go. So if WWE uses that, we need credit here at Turnbuckle Talk for that. Yeah, because we've come up with a lot of stuff that they've actually used. You know, I I, I called it they were going to change to the women's championship. I think long before anybody kind of mentioned it. they they. I've met, we've mentioned it before that the WWE drones kind of circle and kind of hover around this podcast. But uh, anyways, with dealing Spies. with <laughs> with dealing with, <laughs> dealing with Tamina Snuka, because it's it's not on the list here, but I'm glad that you brought her up. It's almost to me. Now, this may be a bit of a touchy uh, subject to bring up, but could this deal with her dad still be causing part of the problems and why she's kind of getting ignored? I think her lack of talent is why she's getting <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I, I don't see much from her. Again, she'd be fine in a tag team. Yeah. Just like Nia would be fine in a tag team. She's never going to hold the women's championship no. in either no. on either show, you know, so – Again, I just again the resting boredom face is what I is what I call it. Is that seems to me that my takeaway every time she's in the ring, she looks like she's doing she's just going through the motions, motions. and I'm doing this for my dad or my family or whatever. It almost looks like she doesn't want to be there. So no, I mean I, I think that might be part of the problem too. She expresses no emotion in the ring. Yeah. She's not a very compelling storyteller. Not only in, I mean she can't work the mic at all. No. So I mean I think it's just the fact that. You know, she's she's probably more likely there because she's Jimmy Snuka's daughter as yeah. opposed to, you know, the opposite, in my mind, yeah. anyway. The only problem, I think, with combining the two of them, I think more, I think, you know, having them individually being bad separately from each other is bad enough. I think if you have two bad together, then it could just be double bad. <laughs> That's my only fear with that, right? So I always think it like the double negative thing. It uh, equals a positive. Well, in math, math wasn't my best subject. In math, that may work. In the professional wrestling business, when it comes to doing, I think some of these combined tag team moves. Could you just um, just imagine Naya and Tamina trying to pull off a double team move? Don't think so. Day device. Don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Break somebody's neck. Oh. Oh. So going from. A really bad thing, in my opinion. It was going to a really good thing. And I think this is going to be a really good discussion. And this is something that you guys definitely touched on going home this week with this all elite wrestling business. Now, the more I've kind of heard, especially with the way you guys kind of approached it here, I think my mindset is changing on this a little bit because I think I kind of in agreement what you guys were saying that they're not necessarily coming in to create a whole new kind of standalone promotion. I think that this is actually going to be something a bit of a larger scale and not just them narrowing in on just being an independent promotion. Well, I think you've seen what impacts done where they'll do their TV tapings with a local promotion and they'll mm-hmm. build a show, a one night only show or something like that around that. I could see the elite, company I, and I, I don't know if all elite wrestling everybody's calling it that we don't know for sure if that's the name no. or if that that could be the umbrella company over whatever they call their their actual promotion but what i i think it's going to be a traveling road show why wouldn't you just pack up your stars and hey we're going to invade this promotion for four months 
and, and have it pay off at a pay-per-view. And then we can go somewhere else. That way you're always making money and you're always staying fresh. I think that's the biggest difference with the indies and what the elite could do for the independent level as opposed to WWE where you've seen some of the same guys there for 20 years and mm -hmm. they've wrestled each other a hundred times. Uh, it, it opens up a Pandora's box of creativity and potential revenue. And if Tony Khan is really the guy behind it, he has more money than Vince McMahon. So, yep. you know, at the end of the day, and especially now because Vince has stretched himself out with football again. <laughs> so yeah. I, financially, it, it comes down to how many checks they want to write. They can spend what they want to spend. They can absorb losses if they want to absorb losses. They absorb losses when they bought the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a franchise that's worth more than the WWE is. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, every NFL franchise is worth at least $2 billion. So, you know, I, I, I just I think the sky is the limit on that. But I do. I Mike was the first one that really brought up that premise. And it makes sense. Why tie yourself to a network or a TV show and be responsible for that when you can go into somebody else's house and let them produce it? And pay you. I think that it could potentially become, and I'm going to maybe come across as a bit of a nerd here by making a Lord of the Rings reference, but I'm going to say it's almost going to be kind of like, it's going to be like one ring to rule them all. It's going to be the, this company, and they're really going to kind of encompass using all of these promotions that are outside of the WWE. And, and you know, like you had mentioned, when it comes to, to money with this whole situation, Vince doesn't come close to touching these guys when it comes to money-wise. Not even, not even yeah. close. Yeah, it's it's how much can Vince spend versus how much do they want to spend? Big difference. Big, real big, big difference. difference. So it'll be interesting to see. How do you think that this is going to unfold here, Carl? This well, now actually hearing what you know Ryan and and Mike had gone through and talked about on on their podcast, it it really does start to kind of make sense. Um, how much is it going to cost them to make up some banners and to make up some ring skirts and stuff like that and go into these other promotions yep. and essentially just use their ring? They don't need to go out and buy, you know, a couple of rings, uh, you know, one for here, one for travel, one for whatever. They can go and use everything that these other promotions have and essentially just come in as star power, come in, charge a little bit extra for tickets make a little bit of more money and not have all the overhead of having to, you know, travel with a ring and get a trailer for the ring and rent, you know, a truck yeah. to pull the ring and they can just travel on to the next place, put their banners into a suitcase and put their ring aprons and their skirts and whatever into, into a suitcase and take that with them. And they're good to go like that. That makes very much so great business sense. And how much really does it cost? Let's say, let's say, five thousand bucks for them to make one championship for whatever they're going to call this promotion that they travel with, mm -hmm. and then they can defend that belt wherever they go in every promotion against that promotion's top star. Obviously, we're going to realize that you know that top star in that promotion isn't going to win that match or get that belt. They could win the match, but not win the belt per se, right? But yeah, yeah, like that just makes perfect business sense. Well, you're almost kind and of just unionization a lot yeah. in his tweets. He brings up unionizing wrestling. I think this is a much bigger step than we think. I think it's beyond just booking shows. It's putting the business back in the hands of the rest, or actually putting it in the hands of the wrestlers for the first time ever. Yeah. I think he's got a much bigger vision than we all even know about yet. From what you were kind of describing there, Carl, to me, the best way I can kind of describe the way you kind of encompass it there, it's like the territory uh, thing again, but on steroids, like just on a much bigger, bigger scale. Yeah. And I, I think yeah, if something I, along those lines comes to pass, I'm going to say right now that WWE is going to be in, in serious trouble when it comes competition-wise. Well, when you have... It's going to be a really interesting 2019 this year. It's uh, We're going to be talking a lot about this kind of stuff as this stuff kind of unfolds. And I'm really, really excited and curious to see what's going to happen because I, I'm not so much hoping for the downfall of WWE. I just want there to be a, a really, really big, successful, worthwhile alternative to really kind of push them again because they're – just on that coasting mode right now, I guess, especially when it comes to Raw. Some of the other brands, all the NXT brands and the out, 
extra in the UK and stuff like that. That stuff's doing really, really well. SmackDown is kind of holding on, but their flagship show, Raw, is struggling, like we mentioned at the top of the show. And they need that strong competition to drive some innovation, some creativeness again. Yeah. If I could use a golf analogy, back uh, back when Tiger Woods was dominating the PGA Tour, yep. you could bet on Tiger or you could bet on the field. In other words, yep. either Tiger's going to win or you could have everybody else. Yep. And sometimes Tiger won. A lot of times Tiger won. But a lot of times the field got him. Every, somebody else would jump up and beat him. That's kind of what we're looking at in 2019, I think. WWE and everything they have under their umbrella versus everybody else. So who are you going to bet on? You want to go with the strength and numbers, or you want to go with the big dog? Uh, in my mind, in pro wrestling, I think the diversity and the variety on the outside, while no one company will make as much as WWE, I think there's the potential for a collection of companies to make close to what they make. Yep. You know, and split that pie. There's nothing wrong with that. No, nope, I hate to sound like a socialist, but you know. <laughs> yeah, and I think Big that's something that uh, if you go back and listen to some of our previous podcasts, that's even something that Big Joe and I have talked about: is these different companies coming together collectively to not necessarily take over the WWE, but to give us a good product that we can watch as a great alternative and kind of encompassing. Like you had said just just a few minutes ago there, Joe, about yeah. territories and it feeling very much so like we're going back to the territory days of professional wrestling. And that's, I mean, again, that's something that we talked about, I mean, a couple months back, I believe it yeah. was already. And slowly but surely, we're seeing it come to fruition. And like you alluded to, 2019 is going to be an amazing time for professional wrestling outside of the WWE. I think who put it really well was our recent guest, Tota Casino, when we talked to him when he was still, he's still down in actually New Zealand is that he said, you know, yeah. the, the two big shots that were, that were fired to him that there were some real change coming. That was the success of all in and everything surrounding that. And, the combination of New Japan and Ring of Honor selling out Madison Square Garden. He said you know, that that was a real sign that there's change in the air. And 2019, I, I can't wait for it. Now, I will say this. I, I have one prediction for 2019. I think that MSG show for Ring of Honor, uh, depending on how long this New Japan deal keeps going on with them. Yeah. But without New Japan, I don't think they sell out the garden. No. I don't know if they get in the garden. No. And I predict some rocky times ahead for ring of honor in 2019 i think there's a lot of talent that's upset i, I can tell you there's some talent that's upset there hmm. and part of the reason that i believe the bucks aren't aren't going back and that's not a shot i i don't know joe cop at all I, I know he's done some podcasts with, with rick and jargo before and and it seems like a good guy i don't know if it's him i don't know if it's the sinclair people but somewhere there's been a disconnect between ring of honor and the talent and i think you're going to see a lot of people jump ship in 2019 elsewhere that's another product of ripple effect of the business and the diversity now we've got places like mlw and impact and and companies that are coming up now that these guys if yep. they're not happy where they're at they can go somewhere else and that's what the business always was before back in those territory days absolutely mm -hmm. i couldn't have worded that better myself all right guys we're going to take a brief break here again and we're going to come back and we are going to get into our showstopper segment it's a good one this week and it revolves around talent no showing shows. We'll be right back. Independent contractors in the professional wrestling industry, if you're looking for a way to put the power of the media in your own hands, contact Pinned LLC. Pinned LLC is media and marketing for the professional wrestling industry. It's your one-stop, one-click online profile and so much more. With Pinn, you'll receive a full background story photo gallery, an interview conducted with you, links to all your social media and where you can be booked, and yes, a 60-second custom television commercial all about you. Get more info today. Email pin.biz at gmail.com. That's pin.biz at gmail.com. Or click the icon at thegorillaposition.com to get more info about Pinned. Remember, get connected, get booked, get pinned. This is Ryan Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers, and you're listening to Turnbuckle Talk with Joe and Carl.
All right, guys, Big Joe and Carol Carafel back here on Turnbuckle Talk, along with our guest this week, Ryan Bowman, editor-in-chief of thegorillaposition.com and host of Going Home. So it's time for the showstopper segment, guys, and this revolves around tell no showing. And this is a very relevant topic because right now there is something that's really making waves around, you know, the business in general and in social media. And this uh, actually hits fairly close to home for me and for you, Carl, because we were kind of around that area when uh, this kind of all went down. And this revolves around specifically, well, this is going to lead into the, the greater topic, but recently with the CWE show, uh, or just the CWE tour up in Canada, Bruce the Barber Beefcake basically skipping out on, you know, maybe some dates that he was uh, allegedly paid for and then no-showed the rest of the tour. And there has been some serious backlash on both sides, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, to kind of give you guys just a quick little synopsis of the entire thing, the CWE, or Canadian Wrestling's Elite, came through, and I think it was a 31- or 32-day tour yeah. they did across... Uh, Eastern Canada and it's Northern Ontario. So we're looking, they started in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and they went all the way out to British Columbia, from British Columbia back to Manitoba, from Manitoba right through into Ontario and into Northern Ontario amazing stuff coming out of the Canadian wrestling's elite. So it's happened that Brutus, the barber beefcake was the uh, quote unquote headliner Mm -hmm. for this tour on the strutton and cutton winter tour. Brutus, the barber beefcake decided, I don't know how or what we're kind of hearing still both sides of the story, but he left after the Winnipeg shows, the second Winnipeg coming back through shows. So Thunder Bay, Sault Ste. Marie got nothing for the headliner, including the other uh, Blind River, I believe, uh, Elliott Lake as well. They did not receive the headliner, which the other names that were on this tour, and I'm just going to throw them out there, we're looking Rhett Titus, we're looking the kingdom. I mean... Those are star power right there. We didn't even need to have Brutus the Barber Beefcake. (laughs) But all of this now has really blown up because of the internet and social media. And Danny, being the the stand-up guy that he is, he really put out... And, and it's being called the 10-page rebuttal, yeah. uh, right? Like, he, he he did a huge write-up when it comes to what had happened in his side of the story. Brutus has come back and, and put out his side of the story, and somewhere in the middle is going to be uh, the truth. Yeah. You know, that's just how it is, how it happens in, in the world today. But this is something that isn't only happening within the Canadian wrestling's elite Mm -hmm. and with Brutus the Barber Beefcake, but this is something that has happened numerous times Mm -hmm. over the history of professional wrestling. And that is what we want to focus on and kind of get into. So, yeah, because yeah, yeah. kind of strange to think that a guy would go that many days on a tour. I'd read the story and and Mm -hmm. I know you guys kind of forwarded that to me. I actually saw it at Gerwick.net too. And I didn't really run it as a gorilla because I thought, yeah, I'm going to wait and see what comes of this. But as I've investigated it, I'm going to side with the promoter in this one. I, I, I'm not to get into all the details and run read through the whole thing that, that he wrote. But, you know, in this situation, I mean, come on. First of all, once I heard the wife and or girlfriend was involved, there's that's a red flag right there. Handle your own business. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah. before we get more into the, the, the broader topic too, because, you know, and thankfully right near the end of that in the 11th hour, somebody really cool stepped up and kind of helped fill in there, Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, Got to give props to him. He came and, you know, and, and was able to find the venue without with very little help. And he stepped up and he uh, kind of filled that spot and really helped end uh, off that tour on a good note despite all the, the neg- negativity. <clears throat> most guys that come in are headliners on a show, you know, are pros nine out of 10 times. I, we've had yep. shows right down the road from my house. We've had abyss. We've had James storm, you know, hacksaw Jim Duggan has come into town. <clears throat> All those guys, absolute 100% professional. Ricky, yep. the dragon steamboat actually walked up to me in the locker room, reached his hand out and said, hi, I'm Rick. <laughs> you know, he introduced himself like, I was, and I'm thinking to myself, I know who you are, you don't have to introduce <laughs> yourself. but that's the kind of professionalism. The real guys in business, at the end of the day, I've never been impressed with Beefcake anyway. I, I don't know why why Danny chose to put him as the headliner on a tour because I wouldn't pay to see him. But yeah. uh, some fans will, and some fans want to have that nostalgia. 
and you got to give it to him, man. And and just based on what I heard, again, you're talking to a guy who's been through the nightmare scenarios backstage with promoters and had friends of mine that were ready to pull their hair out the day of shows because talent just is talent. They and they know they're the talent. And quite frankly, wrestlers are arrogant at times. You know, I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. It's the nature of the beast. They have to be. It's part of the survival. But at the same time, you don't take somebody's money. You don't shake their hand and you don't make an agreement with them. And this is in wrestling and life in general. And then walk away and leave them hanging yeah. without even returning a phone call. Are, are there any notable wins? Like even if there's one specifically that kind of stands out to you that you've kind of seen maybe unfold, right? I can give you some good stories, some great stories. I had guys, I had a guy show up one time. I was working ring announcing for a show and he told the promoter he wasn't going to go out to work. He had his girlfriend with him oh. and he wasn't going to go out and work if she oh. couldn't manage him that night. <laughs> and they ended up letting her go because she was really good looking, you know? So, but at the same time, you're putting somebody out there that's never worked. They don't really know what they're doing out there. And she looked awkward. You yeah. know, she didn't know what to do. You know, she didn't know when to pound on the ring, you know, to get the crowd going on. She just stood there, yeah. you know, that type of situation. Again, wives and girlfriends, leave them at home. No offense. Or let them buy them a ticket, put them in the crowd and let them watch it. I, I, that's not, you know, or in, in the female performer's case, boyfriends, same way. If they're not in the business, if they're not exposed to the business, they don't need to get involved in your business. You know, uh, there's one thing to have a spouse and everything. I, I, I have my significant other. She doesn't get involved in the wrestling stuff. Mm. I keep her as far away from the pirate ship as possible. You know what I mean? And that's just <laughs> the way it is because, first of all, she doesn't understand the inner workings of things like, like maybe I do or, or even people smarter than I know more than I do. But it's just – it's again, it's an alien world to somebody who's on the outside. So once I heard the girlfriend slash wife involved, that was – uh, that was the sign to me that he messed up somewhere along the way. And he basically had his wife covering for him. Yeah. You know, with, with you know, with that, like you had mentioned there too, you know, going into that, I mean, you, you should have known kind of what you're getting into. So the fact that you're complaining and for lack of a term, bitching about it, you know, after it's all kind of said and done, Hey dude, you know what you're signing up for? It's wintertime in Canada you know, there it was. It was. It wasn't going to be ideal. Let's just put it that way. So, if he didn't know what he was getting into going into all that, shame on him. This is a true story. Three years ago, Danny Cage from CZW. Yeah. You guys are familiar with his background? Yeah. Did a little time for robbing a bank with no mask on. Nobody <laughs> still knows why. But, <laughs> but yeah, he was in a bad place at the time. I think I don't know. I don't know Danny, but at the time I laughed about that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, here's this is. The opposite end of the spectrum. This is a guy that people – he was booked for a show for IWA Mid-South in Indiana a few years ago, and people said, we don't think he's going to make the show because he's on parole, and it might be a parole violation for him to leave the state. This guy tweeted out a picture of his papers from his parole officer saying that he could make the trip to let – now, that's embarrassing as hell, yeah. but let me put it to you like this. That's dedication to tell the fans, look, I messed up. I did something wrong, but I promise you I'm going to be there. I'm booked to be there, and I'm even willing to kind of do this embarrassing thing publicly and make this knowledge known to everybody that, yeah, I am a parolee. I have done time, and I know those stories are out there about me, but I'm still going to be at the event. And you know what? He showed up. So whatever anybody thinks about that guy, he made his date. He made his 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 date. He made his date for the fans, and he kept his promise to the promoter. So, you know, again – Maybe you, you can question the guy's past. I'm not his biggest fan, but at the end of the day, for a guy to have that kind of dedication and, and kind of humble himself enough to say, look, I messed up, but I'm still going to be there, and he showed up. That's way better than some guy who's a big-time star who decides to blow off a promotion because he can. And that, that's what Beefcake did, in my mind. For us specifically, and I, I know we've told a little bit of the story before, Carl, but uh, I think a really good example to point out, you know, along with what you had just said, Ryan, Jake the Snake Roberts, when he came to Sault Ste. Marie, here, here was a, here, here's a, a legend. You know, he could have probably gone home in the condition that he was feeling. He had, he had the flu at the time. He probably could have said, you know what, Danny, this is getting a little too much for me. Can I go? He still stuck around. He still came in. He looked like hell. He looked like he, he felt like hell. He, he had the flu, but he still came in and still spent time with every family he possibly could, and he helped with setting up and tearing down. That, you know, makes up for these kind of situations over here, but like like the Brutus situation and you know, the other ones that come up. So thankfully, you know, this kind of stuff still does happen, and to me it overrides any of the, you know, the negative stuff that happens because there's a lot 
I think that there's, I, at, least, at least I hope, you know, that there's a lot more of these positive stories than the negative because, you know, that kind of stuff you know, in the long term or, you know, in the, or in the short term too, you know, dealing promotion specific can be really damaging, right? So, you know, we don't want to see that these kind of things happen, especially, you know, us being Canadian wrestling fans here, Carl, and CWE, they're starting to grow and making more of an impact on the scene here and we want to see them continue to do well. So hopefully this isn't a stumbling block for them going forward. I'm down here now in the morning. I hear about CWE all the time. So, I mean, you can, that tells you the presence. I, 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 I uh, checked out the product. I love it. You guys are always sending me stuff from them (laughs) and it's unfortunate that this happened to them. And, and again, I, I'm not going to bury beefcake. You know, I, I, as Carl said, there's two sides to this story, but in the situation and the way I heard it, I, it just sounds to me like, first of all, there was somebody involved in the business that didn't need to be involved. And secondly, you got to return phone calls. If you're not, it's just like I used to tell my employees, if you're not going to show up for work, at least call. Because if you don't call, I got to let you go. You're not, you're not giving me any information and I don't know what's going on. That, that confusion is the scariest thing in the world to a promoter because you don't know whether to call another wrestler in or if the guy's just running late. Um, one of my favorite uh, guys in the world in the wrestling business is a wrestler named Too Tough Tony. I, first guy in the business that really took me under his wing. But I've always said I always did the 20-minute rule. Yeah. If he texted me and said I'm 20 minutes away, that meant 40. If I'm five minutes away, that meant 25. But I knew he was going to be there. You know, And I always tell him that joke. If you say a half hour, I always just say an hour. Yeah. You know, but I know you're going to be there. I'd rather a guy be late or call and say I can't make it than just not show up. No call, no show means no money, no future dates. That's the way I look at it. And that's something that I think is is very prevalent with Danny. I do know that at the uh, the Jake the Snake show that came through here, the Pick Your Poison tour, as they called it, Danny and part of the crew were actually late. But Danny had enough wherewithal within his promoter mind to ensure that he had texted or phoned or let somebody know every step of the way when he was you know, when they finally were able to go through, he texted and let somebody know. When they were at the the, the big sign that says Sault Ste. Marie, he let somebody know. When he had got close to the uh, uh, gym or the arena that they, they were at, he let mm. somebody know. So it was every step along the way he had that professionalism to let somebody know. And I think a big part of this is that Danny would have expected the same thing from somebody who has been in the business for quote unquote, as Brutus has said, over 40 years in the professional wrestling business, you would figure that he would have enough sense within himself to be able to just make sure that things were taken care of. And I come to Ron Simmons, Mm -hmm. who again, has come out and defended Danny when it comes to this entire situation and has said that he would 100% work with Danny at any time and that he had an amazing time on the tour. We do know that he had to leave, but he found his own replacement in Too Cold Scorpio before he even left to go back home, right? So there was always a constant communication between you know, these these workers and the promoter. And it just seems like a very lackadaisy way for Brutus to kind of had gone about things. But, I mean, as I said at the top of the Showstopper segment here, yep. he's he wasn't even in the headliner. I mean, we're yeah. looking at the kingdom that was here. We're looking at Rhett Titus. We're looking at all these other names that were available. You know, even locally, we still have the Da Vinci brothers yep. that came out there and still put on an amazing show. And honestly, they were the headliners, not Brutus. Got a cynicism with the veterans, too. Maybe it's better. The kids aren't as negative about the business as some of the. Maybe it's time for the old guys to just stop worrying about doing these shots. And these, I know they're not going to, but, you know, it just seems like it's almost a burden to them to do it. And then at the same time, you talk about a guy like Ron Simmons, who I know has a great reputation working shows. Yeah. We had Abyss here. Abyss was grabbing people. People weren't even asking to take pictures <laughs> with him. He was like, hey, you want to take a picture with me? And, you know, grab. That's cool. You know, you got guys like that going the extra mile, and then some guy doesn't appreciate that spot. It, you know, it really leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And again, I I point to the way the old business was ran. That's over now. 
you know, and we're not in that wild west thing. And I, I know a lot of people would like to bring that back, but unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at yeah. it, it's it's not going to ever be that way. Tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and be a day older. Things change and the calendar turns. And the way that these guys used to do that pirate ship type business, you know, that cutthroat stuff, it's over now. And you can't do it because social media, as we found, will ruin you. You can't hide from your reputation anymore. Nope. <laughs> Very well put. All right, guys. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. But before we go, um, Ryan, let us know what's going on at thegrillposition.com and uh, plug anything that you want to plug. Oh, wow. Well, I First of all, the Indies International and the Underground the Sunday edition that Mike put out discussing all elite wrestling, my executive editor, Michael Melkor, my business partner, and my broadcasting partner. Great piece. If anybody didn't check it out, please go back and read it. We just did a piece last week on uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling, uh, Becky Phillips, who is training with mm-hmm. Ring of Honor now, and I think it's probably going to be the the Women of Honor official eventually. I hope, yeah. anyway. I'm rooting for her. Um, constantly working with stuff with Impact, Power of the Pen on Mondays, my column, um, and that's about it, man. Just uh, hanging out at thegorillaposition.com. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm always around, man. Awesome. <laughs> you guys know that. <laughs> All right. Now, Carl, tell us a little bit about our sponsors. Yeah, our sponsors. We have got two amazing sponsors right now. And just as a little bit of a hopeful, we are working on a third. We don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm so wishing that it does. But our two sponsors that we have right now, I am a vapor. I used vape to get off of smoking and it definitely helped me. So we have partnered up with Hype City Vapors who has gone through and made some amazing different flavors when it comes to vape juice. They have a great Christmas flavor out right now. It almost tastes like a uh, sugar cookie with some nice white fondant on top it's actually really good it's called christmas af i'm not gonna you know that's that's actually what they call it xmas af is what it's called but go and check out hypecityvapors.com when you do and when you make your purchase make sure you use the promo code jk podcast and you will get 15 percent off your entire order there as well our original sponsor and we are so proud to be called the first sponsored podcast when it comes to collar and elbow brand.com collar and elbow brand.com isn't just a company that al snow has started this is all of our company when it comes to collar and elbow brand.com amazing stuff that they have just come out with in their winter drop you need to go and check out what they have there i myself am always sporting the collar and elbow brand ball cap that has the CXE logo on it, as well as today I am actually wearing the Collar and Elbow Brand Canada shirt. Amazing product as well. Make sure you go and check out CollarAndElbowBrand.com. And when you make your purchase, use promo code JKPODCAST. You will get 10% off your entire order. Awesome. And of course, to find us on social media, TB Talk Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And when it comes to listening to us, of course, you can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, and on all those podcatchers that are out there as well, of course, at thegrillposition.com as part of the Roar Network. All right, guys. Glad time- to have you guys. <laughs> awesome. All right. Time to wrap it up, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Ciao. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? This is Jargo. This is the RBV, Rick Vickery. We're from the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast right here on the Roar Network, and you're listening to our favorite Canadians, Joe and Carl, on Turnbuckle Talk. I can't believe we just put over Canada. Yeah, it's just for Joe and Carl, man. Nobody will ever hear this. Everyone's still good for drinks. Yeah, yeah. I'm out now. I, I have this really bad habit when I'm talking is that the cup will be empty and I'm still like taking drinks from it. <laughs>
I was doing that a couple times yeah. myself, that first segment. Like, <laughs> where's the coffee at? I should have a bottomless cup of, uh, of coffee going.